Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network, the minds behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK. Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, Thanks to everyone who's hit that subscribe button. Checks out the multiple interviews every single week. If you haven't already, of course, you can do that now wherever you get your favorite podcasts from as well as uh, leaving the series a rating, giving it a review as well, if you feel so inspired. I'm Kyle Merritt. Today my guest is William Duvall. You may know William in many ways. Of course, for the past uh, 12 years, I guess, he's been one of the singers of Alice in Chains, of course, along with Jerry Cantrell. Or maybe you know him from the band before that, Comes With a Fall. Or maybe you know him all the way back from his uh, 80s hardcore days with Neon Christ. But today you're going to know him as a solo artist. For the first time in an over 35-year career, William Duvall has completed an album called One Alone, and the title says it all. It's him, his voice, and a guitar. It is as a solo record as you can get, as we'll talk about. And of course, he'll answer the question, why now? And exactly what is this record? Where did the songs come from? And not just musically, but what makes this record different from all of the other projects he's been a part of? We'll also talk about the uh, the first single, Till the Light Guides Me Home and the dual nature of its lyrics, as well as a a track called Chains Around My Hearts. And speaking of Chains, we will turn the clocks back to 2009 to talk about the first record that he did with Alice in Chains, Black Gives Way to Blue, which did come out a decade ago this year. It was a really big moment in his career, and he's going to tell us about what that experience was like 
going into the studio and knowing that there were so many expectations from fans and critics and just anyone who ever fell in love with an Alice in Chains song. And he'll comment on the good times, the crazy times, and the facial hair. So much facial hair. It was also a record that was completed on the day that his very first child was born. And talk about just blowing up your life. We're also going to hear about what that experience was like. But for the most part, it's all about this debut solo album, One Alone. It's Kyle Meredith with William Duvall. Hi, Kyle. Hi, it's William Duvall. So, you know, the last couple months, you've got, you've got, the, new, well, you've got the debut solo record coming out with One Alone. Uh, this comes right after, I guess, finishing the campaign for Rain or Fog. The, the tour is over. And, and that's a hard stop, right? I mean, what, what's it like to know when an entire chapter is, is actually put to bed? It's very rewarding. And at the same time, there's a little bit of sadness that goes with it because you've been traveling around with this huge group of people like a giant family in a way. Uh, and uh, now all of a sudden you wake up and, oh, you know, there's no there's no gig, there's no sound check, there's no seeing my lighting guy and my sound guy and my stage manager and the, you know all of these people that you wake up every day and this is just your routine for for years uh, and suddenly it's not. So there's all those feelings that go along with that, but mostly it's a feeling of great accomplishment and reward. So we're very very happy with with how it all went and we're just really grateful for everybody that came out and it's not like you get to you know sit and rest too long because you, you turn around and, and as soon as that ends you say all right it's time to release my own record now and here's one alone and and let's just say how crazy it is that for as long as you've been going as a musician in the business that this is your first solo record i mean you but you've always been a band guy right that's right yeah always been a band guy since i was a teenager and it took quite a bit of soul searching to get myself to a place where I could put out, you know, just get, just come to grips with putting out music under my own name. But I, I felt like if there was ever going to be a time to do it and an album with which to do it, this would be it. So I just, you know, went full bore with it, you know, like, okay, this, this guitar, this one guitar, one voice all the way through, and we're just going to call it what it is. We're going to call it One Alone, and, and I've got to just make this my first album under my own name. That This is what it is. If anything else wouldn't have felt honest. So this was a great kind of a breakthrough in a way. As you have done so many genres over the years, it's not like it's radically different per se, but it is something else. One voice, one guitar. You know, how, how different was that for you to go into a studio like that? Because as far as when most people say solo record, that's they're, they're still talking about a team of people, a producer, an engineer, whatever, who, who's working with them. But like, this sounds exactly like a solo record. Right. <laughs> you can't get much more solo than this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, you're right. And, and and yes, most of the breakthrough that I was referring to before mostly had to do with how I perceived things. You know, you're, you're exactly right. There's been a lot of mixing and, and uh, commingling of genres throughout my whole career as a musician. And, and that will that will continue that that's kind of a mainstay. But with regard to this record specifically, I didn't go in thinking that I was going to record a solo album. I didn't go in thinking that I was recording anything that would necessarily ever be released to the public. Initially, I went in to do what I thought was going to be a demo for one song, Till the Light Guides Me Home. And once I was there in the studio and that song went down so quickly, I mean, it was just like 
few minutes and we're done. And I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well lay down a few other things. And so there were these songs that I had done with Comes With The Fall on our records as a full band, but they were songs that I always thought could potentially present well in a solo acoustic setting. And so I decided, yeah, while I'm here, let me throw down a few of those. So by the time, you know, in an afternoon, basically, I I had walked out with eight songs. And then as I was listening to them, just kind of, you know, driving around or whatever, or listening to them casually, I thought, you know, this kind of sits well together. And if I ever wanted to do an acoustic album, this could be kind of the genesis of it. And eventually, I just, again, through all the soul searching of uh, about how I might release music in the future, it just sort of all came together like, yeah, okay, this is a solo album. It's, it's as solo as you can get, and it's time to just put it out under your own name and just make this what it's going to be. And eight songs is not enough, so go back in and record a few more. So I did that in an evening, and, uh, and now we have the One Alone album. And uh, I'm just, it, it took a while for it, for everything to line up to get to this point. But now that we're here, I'm really glad we're here. Well, it's got such powerful moments all throughout it. You know, when, when you get into the individual little tiny moments within the songs, you, you mentioned that first single, Till the Light Guides Me Home, which on one surface side, you know, it, it sounds like the thing, like, you know, I've been gone a while, I'm coming back. Maybe there was a relationship involved in something, but... I also wanted to look at it from a side and, and stop me if I'm stretching here. But, uh, you know, with that word, the light, I, I'd read that you had a degree in philosophy and religion. And I, th- I thought, I wonder if that still plays a big part of his songwriting, if that sort of finds its way in, in in little moments like that. Yeah, I think a lot of times, even unconsciously, that stuff is just always going to be there, latent throughout everything. And it's it's just it's always fascinated me our existence, the fact that we're here and, and what we might be doing here. You know, like if if we even want to bother to ascribe some sort of reason <laughs> for that, you know, right. or, or, or any sort of design on it. And uh, yeah, that stuff is fascinating, and our and our and our ways of organizing ourselves and our ways of of uh, ritualizing certain things. All of that stuff is has always held a lot of interest for me. And so I, yeah, it's always going to come out whether it's conscious or not. And I would, I would always be quick and careful to say that it, if anything, it's more of, of a, an overall interest in or fascination with spirituality or the potential existence of a higher consciousness or a more elevated state of being that we might be able to attain. It's, it's not, really about religion mm-hmm. so to speak so um that strain is always going to be in whatever work i do it's always it always has been so yeah i suspect it always will be and yeah so no it's not a stretch it's just kind of a, a co-mingling of the everyday <laughs> right hassle that we go through with awareness or a hope for something that transcends that well that's the um kind of the fun of having dual nature of songs when they lend themselves to that. I mean, even that opening line there with uh, Dark Days Tearing Me Down, again, that could be so personal, or you could be talking about you know, what a lot of artists are, are, are struggling, or not struggling, but uh, you know, working with trying to convey and reflect you know, what they're seeing in the news and everything else, you know, how a song starts like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, because the whole album, that's, that's the kickoff line for everything right there, so it, it's a potential setup, I guess. 
Right. No, that's exactly right. It, it works on a lot of levels. And I'm happy with however people want to interpret and internalize that. That That is uh, what the music is for. That's, that's, that is, the, I would say, its primary function is to be of service to the listener to incorporate into their own lives however they want, however they need. You know? my, my greatest aspiration for this for this album is that it might become a friend to somebody. Do you find that you uh, stay away from certain, I don't know, trigger word is the right word, but you have a title like Chains Around My Heart, and it's, I don't think my th- thought eventually, my brain, you know, went there first, like, oh, Chains, Allison Chains, there's something to do with it, but, but there are certain words for certain artists that are like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. That's so funny. I never thought of that. I never did. You know, Chains Around My Heart was a, was, that, that's actually an older, that's an old tune of mine that I had a uh, long time ago. And it was another one of those songs that I thought, hey, you know, this might present well just doing it this way. One guitar, one voice. Uh, never, never done that. Never thought about doing it on a, on an album that way, but. I think that I think this could be one that could work with that presentation as well. And uh, it's just always a song that I felt should have, or it, it's always is a song I always felt could have various lives and never found its proper way into the world. So I just wanted to record it again. You know, yeah. in this way for this album. Well, that's really impressive then, but, you know, knowing now that, you know, some of these songs, that that they're not all written at the same time, because there is a, possibly unintentional, but there is a thematic cohesiveness that, that goes along to this record. It, were any of the songs chosen because of that? Maybe, again, unconsciously. I think I was mostly concerned with what songs will best be served with this particular presentation because it's a really it's a it's kind of a daring thing to come out like this you know i mean to to to, and to do it for an entire album that's kind of a big ask of people (laughs) and i realize yeah i realize that and and to go and to go out and carry a show like i'm i'm obviously going to go and tour this record and you know to go out and carry an entire show that way it's no small thing and so i was mostly concerned with songs that i felt could hold up under that kind of uh you know songs that could hold up while being that reductive in in the way they're presented so that was the primary focus is can this can this work and then it was okay. How are these songs sitting together? And how might I sequence them as a running order for an album and that sort of thing? And so that was the main thing. And then, as you say, after that, just as a as a listening experience, I suppose there are certain themes that that come up throughout. But yeah, that was that wasn't the primary thing going into it. Was like, okay, how can I, you know, kind of create a, a thematic album here? It's mostly just what's going to work and then i i suppose as a as as a function of the particular like songs that hold up under such a raw and naked kind of a presentation they tend to be songs that are about intense emotional things you know and mm-hmm. and, and and the most common being love lost love regained struggles of that nature so yeah i mean you know i can see how you put an album like this together and, and it's going to kind of, uh, <laughs> those themes are going to come up <laughs> quite often. 
you know, but it's cool. And I, I, you know, I dig it. And like I said, I think the main thing is, is, is going to be when people take this album into their own lives, that's going to be when the real work is done. Does the title, it seems like it's an answer to the, uh, the neon Christ all alone together. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't thought of that either, but that's <laughs> interesting too. That's interesting too. That is interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Wow. The, the, the struggles of documentary filmmaking, <laughs> film at 11, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I was just, I was just, I was just speaking to a Spanish reporter about that, you know, about those films and, and how, while at, at on one hand, the costs of filmmaking have gone way down due to the, you know, the internet and the, and the digital media resources at our disposal now. In fact, you don't have to worry about buying and maintaining film stock and that kind of thing. The process has been somewhat democratized, but believe me, brother, the struggle continues as far as, like, you know, and he was, he was just saying uh, how uh, he, this reporter was interviewing, he had interviewed the, the Danny Clinch, the photographer Mm. who just made a film, I guess, about Shannon Hoon, the blind melon singer. And he was saying how that film took over 10 years to get made. And I was like, yeah, see that I, I can identify because that's the thing. You know, it's, it's like you, you just see this film and you go, oh, that's cool. That's whatever, you know. But you don't realize, oh, it took 20 years or it took 15 years. 10 years. The, what the filmmakers have to go through to bring these things to market is quite a saga in and of itself. And, uh, yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I definitely understand but, uh, you know, yeah, One Alone was really just, it was like, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, once I got, once I got that, that title in my mind, it, was like, I, it just can't be anything else. Even on the, the initial group of eight songs, like when I put it onto my iPod, I called it One Alone. Even back then, before I even ever thought this was going to be an album. You know, wow. that's how embedded it is into the whole thing. <laughs> I wanted to quickly bring up because it's also the 10th anniversary of Black Gives Way to Blues this year. That old chestnut. <laughs> that old chestnut. You know, and it, most of the time for a lot of artists, you know, it's usually the 20th or 25th before they really start looking back. But it seems like, you know, for a career as you've had, that does become a big landmark in it, that record right there. And for a lot of fans, too. And, and you know, I just kind of wanted to get a couple thoughts, you know, as you look back. I mean, on one hand, ten years wasn't all that long ago, uh, <laughs> you know. But um, but kind of like, what do you remember yeah, about those sessions? Way, way it like, you know, it's all a blur, man. So, it's been ten years, and in some ways, it feels like a century, you know, because of all of all of the things that we've been through. Just oh my god, I mean, all of the shows, all of the traveling, obviously the other the two albums that have followed it and all of the things that have gone on in our own lives you know outside of the music i mean it's it's been uh it's been a very 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 busy 10 years but uh yeah what do i remember uh it's interesting because our office just sent this little piece of film on one of the songs and um one of our guys you know, we used to do those uh, studio documentary pieces while we were making that record, and we used to put them out on the Internet and everything and kind of give people a glimpse inside the process or whatever. And so the guy that shot all of those, who's our longtime 
friend and assistant, Todd, he he shot this thing for one of the tunes on the album that never was really released as a single. And um, the office just sent it yesterday, and we hadn't seen it in 10 years or whatever. And, and it was kind of a collection of some of these little scenes, these little tidbits, like we used to put in those little studio document sessions. So it was kind of like all of that, but set to one song. You know, snippets of things that weren't in any of the other things that we had already put out. So it was, and it was, it was wild, man. It was wild because it really transformed or it really brought me back. It was kind of like looking at a bunch of other dudes in a way. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was, was, you know, Cantrell and I had the beards and everything. We were, you know, we had, we had resolved very early on in the, that process of making that record that we were not going to shave until it was done. And, (laughs) By the end, we just had these gigantic Grizzly Adams, Rip Van Winkle kind of situations happening. We were ZZ Top or whatever. So it's funny, man, because you see all of that in in this little clip. I think we're going to put it out. It's for private hell. So, yeah, it's going to uh, maybe bring other people back to to that time. But it definitely brought me back. It was like, wow, man, like, this is crazy. Like, I don't, there's so much about it that I would not remember were it not for the fact that we were documenting so much of it. And that's just because of the speed and intensity with which everything was happening. That was, A lot of it, you just block out because you have to, because you have to get through the day, because you have to keep surviving and you have to keep working. And you have to remember, too, there was so much noise around what we were doing at that time. And there was so much debate and all this, you know, just all this external kind of stuff happening outside of the bubble that we created for ourselves. So a lot of our time and a lot of our energy was spent on blocking that stuff out. So when I think about that time, what I what I remember mostly is that feeling of how intense it was. It was intense emotionally, just a purely on an internal level, what was going on amongst the four of us. But it was doubly intense because of all of the external noise and the external pressure, which we were trying to block out the entire time so that's kind of what characterizes that whole period for me so a lot of specifics i you know i I don't remember a lot of specifics i don't you know when i look at a piece of film uh or video or whatever of us goofing around in the studio or whatever it is i don't remember that moment i just remember the overall feeling that was happening but it was cool i mean it, it worked out really well and 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 there was a lot of laughter and everything i mean again a lot of a lot of the energy that we put towards blocking out the external noise and the external debate and all of that was so that we could continue to laugh in the studio so that we could continue to be ourselves. We were fighting for the right to exist. And so we were, you know, very much trying to not just write and record these songs, but also just laugh and be stupid and, and do our thing. So it was, it was a trip and it was a real trip. It's it's interesting because I would have never thought about it like that. It's it's you know a group of friends who really just at the end of the day just want to get together and write a song, but the outside pressure of all of these other people trying to impose all this weight and history and everything else. You yeah, know, that's 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 really interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was, it was. Yeah. So you completed it on the day your son was born. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. He was. Uh... Yeah, we, it was the last day of tracking, and uh, it was the last day of tracking, very last day of tracking, and I had to rush to the hospital, you know? 
I remember shaving my, you know, cutting that gigantic beard off, you know, because it was like, I don't want, I don't want my boy, you know, the first thing he sees is this face full of hair, you know, that's, that's might on some, even on some unconscious level scare or otherwise scar. Because <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of little kids, I know I was really scared of things like mustaches and things. It's just stuff that you don't even understand why mm-hmm. it would be scary, but it just is. And I remember that from being a little kid. And I, I know how, how some kids react to that stuff. And so I remember being in the studio and we, the whole thing was, was pre-scheduled. It was one of those things, mm-hmm. you know. And so it wasn't like, you know, you get the call and you got to rush there. It was what, I mean, it was a rush because it was an adrenaline rush and it was a really huge emotional rush, but it was not that typical story of it's happening. Oh God, get it over. <laughs> so, so with me, it was like, with me, it was like, it was scheduled. We knew what was happening. Everything was going on schedule. And I was at the studio for what was the last day of tracking. And then it was like, okay. And at such, such time, I got to be heading over. So it was like, let me go and hack this freaking forest off my face okay and so i remember going into the the restroom at at, at henson at the at the a&m studio the old or now it's henson and todd with a camera because it was you know we wanted to we were documenting everything might as well document this this is you know kind of a big deal we've been growing these beards forever and now we're we're shaving it off to symbolize the completion of this momentous thing so and now so i shaved it off we got all the different stages of it. You've, some of the pictures have turned up on the internet because it's funny because we we filmed different stages of it. And then I went to the hospital. Yeah, it was it was something something else. When you talk about, I mean, it's to have two moments that both of them seem quite monumental. I mean, the birth of a child is always going to be a big thing. And then for the Alto to be, you know, in your professional life, this new big career thing, like all in one day, that seems like it's so much to handle. Man, it was huge. It was huge. And funny aside, it was also Cantrell's birthday. So my son, <sighs> Cantrell, share a birthday. And the, and then there was some awards thing as well, I remember, because it was like right right in that time, if not the same day, then within a day or two, it was like there was this thing we had to go to. I don't remember even what it was, man, like one of those hard rock awards or something like that. And we had to go to that, too. So it was just, I mean, it was it was bananas the whole time period. And particularly those few days were just beyond the beyond. And, um, yeah, it was like there was a lot to contend with, you know, because it was it was it was this pressure cooker thing of this band trying to resurrect itself. And then on top of that, I'm becoming a parent for the first time. And there's this whole other level of responsibility that is the most daunting and serious thing that you'll ever do in your life on top of all of this other stuff that was happening professionally, you know? So there was a new, it was, it was, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy wave to ride. And I suppose looking back some ways it, well, okay. A lot of the time it was just, it felt purely overwhelming, but I think that in being so overwhelming, it kind of did resemble the feeling of riding a huge wave when you fall off and you get crushed under the water and you, you know what I mean? There's this thing of like, well, look, I just got to do, I'm going to either drown or I'm going to survive. And this water is going to take me where it's going to take me right now. You know what I mean? So there's an aspect of surrender to it while at the same time, there's this enormous exercising of your own agency. You know, it's a weird mix. And it's like, 
you know, because I couldn't control how the public was going to react to Black is Way to Blue or to the new incarnation of Alice in Chains, you know what I mean, coming out with new music and all that stuff. So, and, and I had so many more things to focus on aside from all of that. So looking back now, as overwhelming as it, as it felt for most of the time, I'm grateful that I had such a, a hugely grounding and enormous task to deal with on top of all the professional stuff. Because if I, you know, because it really grounded me in a way that, I mean, it's cliche to say, oh, it grounded me. But I mean, really though, it was, it was like, there was so much that I could not worry about with regard to the public face of all of this that I might have worried about to a crushing kind of debilitating extent mm. had I not had this other thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it had to happen that way, you know? Because w- I don't know how I would have made it otherwise, you know? It sounds like a powerful moment. It, that was a powerful record. And uh, and I'll give you the compliment again uh, on, on one alone. It's it's a really great document that you've put out there. Congratulations on it. Thank you so much, man. Really, thank you. It's been a lot of fun to listen to. And, and William, thanks so much for giving the call today, too. This has been uh, you know a lot of uh, really cool to kind of dive into this record and, and, and the Chains record and stuff like that. You know, congrats on this, and, uh, and I hope to see one of these, uh, these solo shows out there. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it so much. And uh, the thought-provoking questions and the, uh, you know, all the connections that you've made with, with all of these things, it's, it's, the connecting the dots is really great. It's it's always it's it's a much more pleasant and rewarding experience to be <laughs> interviewed by somebody that actually <laughs> does their work beforehand. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate that, and I look forward to bringing this record out on the road, man. Awesome, man. Well, we'll see you out there. And again, thanks again for the call today. Thank you, man. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. 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 Big thanks to William Duvall right there. His debut solo record is called One Alone. Do check out the uh, video for the lead single, Till the Light Guides Me Home, as well. And, of course, the 10th anniversary, as we mentioned there, of the Alice in Chains record, uh, Black Gives Way to Blue. And to thank you for checking out the series as well. Again, if uh, if you're already a subscriber and you want to give us a rating or leave a review, that's always a huge help. If you're not, now's the time to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from. I assure you there is a place to keep up with us, we release brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so uh, stay up to date with us. And after that, you can head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour of uh, new song premieres, anniversary spins, music news, interviews, and whatever else we can jam into that 60 minutes. That's WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.